Welcome to the Lift Church podcast. We pray that this message encourages you and inspires you to live up to your God-given potential. How amazing is that? I love that we get to be a part and a privilege to be a part of Emma's journey and and I when, when you hear some of the stuff that she's going through, but the joy that's in her is just such a great privilege to see what God is doing um, through us as a church, but uh, through any church that is alive and, and loves Jesus, you know, th- this is what we're about. And so, uh, yeah, hope that you're encouraged by that. We're a church that's doing something that is uh, making a difference in people's lives. Um, and yeah, I don't know if I need to be preaching anymore after that amazing story. So yeah, let's have cake and go home. <laughs> no, I do have a, a message to share with you this morning. And and one of the things that I really love, and, and you can hear it through Emma's story as well, is this amazing thing that we Christians call God's grace. We have God's grace to, to be with us every single day. One of my favorite verses is, His grace is sufficient for me, and His power is made perfect in my weakness. I love that. I love this idea that God's grace is never going to run out. It is abundant. And, and one of the other verses that I really love can be found in Ephesians 3 verse 20, and God on the screens and it's it goes God is able to do far more abundantly than we think of us far more abundantly than we think of us I love that we don't serve a stingy God I love that we don't serve a God who withholds I love that we don't serve a God who waits till you do something before he does something in fact he doesn't even need me to really ask and then he goes okay I guess I can give you a little bit no he's a good father and he desires good things for you and so his grace is available for each and every single one of us and I I love that when we get into situations that I call extra grace required seasons, you know, we, we, we don't have to struggle through those seasons by ourselves. Like what Emma's talking about, she's, she's going through a battle, but she doesn't have to feel like she's a victim, conqueror. She still has God with her. She still has God's grace on her life. And if you are here this morning, I don't know your stories. I don't know exactly what is going on, but I'm here to tell you that if you're in a season where extra grace is required, God's grace is sufficient for you. And so this morning, can we just do something? I don't normally do this, but if you are in a season where extra grace is required, can I just ask you to just put your hand up? It doesn't have to be all the way up. It can be there. But what we want to do is just pray for you right now. Extra grace required? Anyone here need a little bit of prayer? Anyone? A couple of people? Awesome. Great. Lots of people. Love that. Because you're in the right place. You don't come in here because you're all, you got it all together. You're in here because you need a God who has got it all together, and He's able to, to do more exceedingly, abundantly, above and beyond anything you could hope or imagine. So why don't we close our eyes right now? God, I pray for every person that raised their hands. You know the situation that they are in. You know the desires of their heart. You know the needs that they have and we thank you that we get to declare that you are able to do immeasurably more than we could hope or think for, think of and so God I pray that your grace just flows over them even right now that they have this sense of peace that you have got it under control you are sovereign over their situation and I declare that it is sufficient and all God's people say amen amen Amen. How good is it? We don't have to struggle through by ourselves. We have got God with us. 
And right now, I'm going to do a complete shift. And we're going to ask, I'm going to ask you, if you've ever been in a situation where extra grace is required and then you pray, how many of you would say that the breakthrough happened immediately? It happens from time to time. Someone that needs healing, they get prayed for, and it happens where the healing was miraculous. It was instantaneous. Uh, but many times, it is like, the breakthrough doesn't happen. And in fact, sometimes it feels like the breakthrough is never going to happen. Some of you are in situations where you have already been in an extended period in that extra grace required season. And there's still no breakthrough in the horizon. And you're kind of in a place wondering what is going on. And in fact, I do want to share a, a, a question that someone posed to us as part of the previous series called You Asked For It. We asked for people's questions and someone wrote this question in. And I don't know who this person is. I hope you're not embarrassed by it. Uh, but this is what this person wrote. Why does God take his precious time or probably not even give healing for a health problem I've been praying for for 10 years and still counting? When you are faced with a question like this, how are you supposed to say God's grace is sufficient for me? When you're in a situation when the breakthrough hasn't happened and you've been praying and praying and praying for it, you've gone from revival meeting to revival meeting. You have African preachers, Asian preachers, white preachers, all sorts of preachers lay their clammy hands on your face and still the breakthrough hasn't happened and you're wondering, where's this abundant grace God is supposed to have? And that is a question that really, really um, annoys me because I love the fact that God loves me. But why is it that we go through these situations? And quite often when you hit those situations, you're, it, it kind of gives you uh, a, an option between a couple of perspectives. And the first perspective is this, that God is powerless. That God's not able to do anything about it. And therefore all your prayers and all the time that you're investing into it, is, is just fluff. You know, someone wrote, God's grace is abundant, is, is, is immeasurably more, but still, you know, it's, it's just someone saying it. It's easy to say it. But maybe God's really not powerful enough. But the other perspective that I find myself holding in extra grace required seasons is, is that maybe I'm not good enough. Maybe God's seeing that other person. You know, when you, you're looking for that perfect job and then another person gets it. And then you're like, what's so special about that person? I go to church and they don't. It's like, why are you gracing them, God? And if you read through Psalms, it seems like that's one of David's biggest whinges. Why is it I'm struggling and suffering when all the evil people are succeeding in the world? And all the Donald Trumps and... Sorry. Didn't mean to get political there. Sorry for any Trump fans. We will buy you a toupee to say sorry. <laughs> but, you know, it's, it's, it's a struggle and it's hard to understand what God is trying to do. Where is grace when the breakthrough hasn't happened? Where is grace when you're still stuck in that same place? Where is grace when nothing seems to be changing? 
And I'm wondering whether we can look into the life of one of the key figures in the Bible. His name's Abraham, and he's known as the father of faith. He's known as the guy uh, that God really brought his covenant through. It is through Abraham that we have this nation of Israel, and through the nation of Israel, we have our Savior named Jesus. And so Abraham really is a pivotal figure. And, 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 and in Hebrews 11, which is widely known as the uh, Faith's Hall of Fame, this is what it says about Abraham in verse 8, and you can read the whole thing from 8 to 12, but uh, for time's sake, I'm shortening it a little bit, and it says, by faith Abraham obeyed when he was called to go out to a place that he was to receive as an inheritance, and he went out not knowing where he was going. And we skip towards the end, it says, Therefore, from one man, and him as good as dead, because he was a hundred years old when he had a son, were born descendants as many as the stars of heaven, and as many as the innumerable grains of sand by the seashore. And when we look at a chapter like that, when we look at a couple of sentences and we place them together, it makes it seem as though God's promise came and a breakthrough happened. And it makes us wonder why heaven I got my breakthrough but what we need to understand is that it is not as simple Abraham was a childless man and, and him and his wife in those times would have been seen as second class citizens because they did not have heirs, they did not have children. In fact, it was probably as bad as to say that, that they were seen as cursed by God. When you do not have children in those days, it was seen that you had done something to displease God and therefore you do not have the, uh, the grace of God on you. Now this was the life that Abraham had been living for 75 years. Most people in this room haven't lived to that age yet, so you won't even know how much he was living under this oppressive view that God had cursed me. I'm the second citizen. And so God comes when he was age 75 and says, you need to leave your father's house and I'm bringing you to this land that you're going to inherit. And he implies that Abraham's going to have a son. Great promise. Took 25 years to be fulfilled. 25 years. Let me say that again. It took 25 years. And if you read the story, it didn't span two paragraphs. It spanned many paragraphs and many chapters that showed that Abraham, in those 25 years, got it wrong a lot. In this journey from receiving the promise to the fulfillment of the promise, he lied two times to save his skin. And he had a child through surrogacy, which was not God's plan for his life. We don't see that in Hebrews 11. We see God gave him a promise and he stuck on and he was faithful and therefore he got the promise. But we forget that he had a journey that he was put through that was difficult. That brought him this sense of what are you doing, God? Even though he is the father of faith, he had situations that seemed too much for him to bear. And so he took it upon himself to make things happen. And I'm wondering whether some of us can kind of see that in our lives, that, that, that maybe, maybe one of the perspectives that we've got is that God's grace on our lives is like a roller coaster. And I think most Christians nowadays would admit pretty freely that following Jesus is not an easy thing. Anyone say following Jesus is easy? No one? What are you doing in church? 
why are you calling yourself Christians? Aren't you supposed to say God's good and all the time He's good and His grace is sufficient for me? No, 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 no. We are Christians, but we readily admit that living by God's grace is still not easy, yeah? And so I, I kind of see like uh, sitting a roller coaster. I hate roller coasters. Putting it out there. If you take me to like movie world, I'll be like, you're wasting your money. I'll sit on those little teacup things. <laughs> a roller coaster is way too much for me. I used to love it. I don't know why, but somehow I grew up. <laughs> I, I remember someone said that, you know, to have, if you have to have fun by putting yourself through fear, um, you are the crazy one. So there you go. Most people here, hope you get your healing this morning. But I think we expect and we understand that, that following God on a life of grace is this amazing adventure. There are ups and downs. But one thing that I know for sure when I'm sitting on a roller coaster is that I can see what's happening. I can follow the track and I know that this is where it's going to go. I can see the bends. I can see the drops. I can prepare myself for it. And all I have to do is to make sure that my seat is fast, uh, is secured. Well, sorry, I lost my English there. Uh, I just have to make sure that I, I've got the safety stuff in place. My faith is in place so that I can ride through the, 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 the crests and the, and the falls and, and the bends and the turns and the bits that turn me upside down. But I'm still secure. You know, we think of faith like that. But I think... That is more like we are sitting a roller coaster with the blindfolds on. And we don't actually know what's going on. Why is it that Abraham could get it wrong when he had God's grace on his life? It's because he didn't exactly know how God was going to lead you through that situation. And some of us expect God's grace to be on our lives, which means that really what we're saying is that we know exactly what God's going to do. We know exactly how this story is supposed to pan out. And we know every little turn, every little bend, and every little dip. And I'm ready for it. I'm a man of faith. But then when we get to that dip and bend that we weren't expecting, suddenly we are put in this difficult situation. And suddenly we're going, where are you, God? You know, I'm going to tell you the story of how we got to this place. Um, and, and the thing is that this story is not that exciting, so I'm going to try to make it as exciting as possible. <laughs> but God was telling me something and teaching me something through this that I want to bring to you this morning. And, and um, it was uh, May 20th this year, and we received a call from the managing director of our previous facilities. And he called up. And this was out of blue. We weren't expecting this. The only thing that Beck and I were kind of in a place, we were just praying that God would open up the possibility of us having a bigger venue or to know what to do with our current venue. You. And, and uh, Mike calls up and he says, hey, I've got a space downstairs that will probably be suited to you guys. This excited us to no end. We were at this pastor's intensive. We were telling all the other pastors that were there in the training, he's like, we got a new venue, we got a new venue. We haven't even seen it yet, but we already claimed it. We were people of faith, man. God's grace is abundant. This guy called us up without us even chasing this up. And so we were so excited. We saw the next day. There were a few drawbacks, but we were happy to work through it. We, we were like, yeah, limitations, limitations. You know, we could work through it. We are a creative team. We got great people. We could make it happen. And so we're so excited about it. And then what happens from there? We go through a bit of due process. We're working through stuff. And... Um, 
And I'm really cutting the story short, um, so I understand that there were a few more days in between this. This is a bit of a Hebrews 11 story. Um, uh, but, but we found out that they were actually having another space right next to the space that they wanted us to have that was available for lease. And so we're like, cool. And the thing is, we are part of this network called HarvestNet, yeah? You remember that? And we had a couple of the HarvestNet guys come with us to, to look at this lease space. And I wasn't really thinking about it because the lease would be way beyond what we can pay. Uh, but the HarvestNet guy said to us, Nate, we're willing to back you up. And we're willing to actually put in a 30000 interest-free loan for you to have that space. Now, there were two breakthroughs in the space of like a week. And Beck and I were super, super excited about this. Like, thank you, God. This is going to be amazing. Now, all of you probably know there's going to be some kind of twist because we're not in that space, yeah? <laughs> so, so let's, I told you this story is not that exciting. You know the ending. But, uh, but I, I want to bring you into this space where, uh, you know, I was like, wow, God's guiding us. God's really got us. Now he's giving us options. And, and, and each option is even better than the previous option. And in fact, uh, these, these people from HarvestNet, they, they are our oversight. And they're saying, we're willing to back you up. We're willing to give you a $30,000 loan. And then they said, all we have to do is to choose. And the choice is yours, Nate. You tell me what you want to do. And so as, a, as your pastor, I decided I needed to pray which is, you know, a reasonable thing for pastors to do every now and then. And, and so I prayed, and I was driving home after one of the meetings, and I was so excited. To be honest, I already had my sights set on that lease building. I knew that there were going to be some challenges, but for me, it was like, my faith is above that. It's going to be so good. We are going to just fly through that. And, um, and, but as I was praying, I said, God, just give me a word. Let me know how to tackle this, this season. And... and I just felt this impression on my heart. God gave me this phrase, and the phrase is, the grace is in the seed. The grace is in the seed. Now, that phrase meant nothing to me in that moment, because I was like, what seed? What seed are you talking about, God? You know, we, we've got these options that are better than our current option, and they're being placed to me on a silver platter. I don't need no seeds. I see plenty of trees, fruitful trees in front of me. And so I was like, what do you mean by the grace is in the seed? I got home, I, I said to Beck, Beck, God's doing something strange here. He gave me this phrase, the grace is in the seed. And we were talking it through, and, and Beck was like, maybe the, the least thing is just a seed, and God's telling you that there's going to be so much more. And so like, yeah so much more. Uh, God is abundant. There's so much more greatness to come. Um, but as we continue doing our due diligence, we, uh, at some point, I, I can't remember exactly when, but it was somewhere in that process, I felt this little nudging to, to get our volunteers. So we got Michaela to call up the schools around the area and uh, just to see if there was any other spaces. You know, like if you control finances, you could get a couple of quotes before you settle on something. And, and so we did that. I thought, yeah, no, I don't know why we should do it because I've got these options and I'm going to choose one of them anyway. Um, but yeah, so, so we did that, and, and Michaela had found his place, and so we're like, okay, just to, I didn't want to. I thought it was a waste of my time, but I thought, yeah, let's check it out. And at the same time, I got Pastor Joel, who is back in my senior pastor from my previous church, but still our senior pastors in our heart. Um, we wanted Pastor Joel to come and have a look at the spaces, just to tell us his insight. And when we had that meeting, 
first at the sitting rooms, uh, number one, we found out that they were actually given, uh, showing us other spaces because they were kicking us out of the space that we were in. So strike one, that was one of the options out. And then we learned that the space that we thought we could possibly work in, um, they were going to put some filing cabinets in it. That was going to completely compromise the space. And so they were like, okay, that's not going to work. And then Pastor Joel, as we were looking at that space that we were potentially going to lease, which I already set my heart on, he was like, what are you doing, Nate? Why do you want this space? This space is only going to take about maybe 10, 20% more people than you currently have. And then you're going to have to move out at the end of a year. And you're going to have a $30,000 debt on your church. And I was like, when you put it in those ways, it's not that good anymore. And in that moment, there was this, there was this thought that why are you striking out all my good options, God? You know when you ever get into a space where you're like, oh, that will be really good? Oh, that's perfect. And then suddenly something just starts to happen and you start crossing them out and then you're left with nothing? There was a moment. The good thing about this story is that that moment was half an hour. For many of you, that, that moment goes for years. And that moment is a long time. But for me, it was half an hour, we came here, we saw this, and this is the first time we ever set sight on it, and we were like, this is the place. No, there wasn't an a, a, a opening of heaven or anything, it's like, no, this could work. This is going to be cheap, yes, I'm Asian, and this is going to work, this is big enough, this is going to, this is going to work. And as I was reflecting on why God had put that phrase, the grace is in the seed, I began to realize a principle that many of us overlook in our lives. Because the thing is that many of us expect grace to look like full-on blossoming trees, fruitful trees. We expect it to be given to us in a state where it's already fully matured. And so we do nothing about what God is giving to us because it looks nothing like a flowering, fruiting tree. We are given a seed, and, 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 and to show you how insignificant seeds look like, I didn't have any seeds because I am a terrible gardener. I've got a peppercorn, but I think it represents seeds in our lives. It's a little bit spicy, and it doesn't look good, all right? It's this little black dot, but this is what seeds look like, and when we hold it in our palm, we start to say, God, that is not grace, that is a tiny seed that is going to require a lot of action and say, because my God is able to do immeasurably more, this doesn't look anything like it. And so we go about our lives looking for trees when God is like, open your hand, I've got something for you. Abraham did not receive the promise straight away. He received a seed in the form of a promise if he was obedient. If he never left his father's house, he would never have walked into the promise. And I'm wondering whether some of us need to go back to that place where God has placed a seed of grace in your life. And you're expecting it to look like a tree, but you haven't done the things that God has asked of you. The grace is in the seed. I'm wondering whether some of you are really disappointed. Why haven't I got my healing? Why is my family not saved yet? Why haven't I got a job yet? Why haven't I got this? Where's God's grace? Where's God's grace? 
And I don't mean to demean or put down your experience. I understand that things are difficult. But, you know, as Christians, if we don't start lowering our eyes to see what God's placed in our hands, we're never going to start the adventures that God has placed us on. And don't expect a roadmap. Don't expect to know exactly how to make decisions every single turn of the way. I could easily have signed the papers to have us with a $30,000 debt. Could have. And I would probably have justified it as being God's grace until maybe five years down the track when I'm in jail or something like that. <laughs> Sorry, probably wouldn't happen. But you get my heart? We're expecting to know what to do before we think it's God's grace. We're expecting to see the end results before we acknowledge that it's God's grace. We start to think that the moment I give my life to Christ, the breakthrough that I've been expecting and praying for is going to fall into my lap. And when it doesn't happen, we start to question God's goodness. And we start to question what God is really trying to do in our lives. And when we start to do that, we start to overlook what God has placed in our lives. We don't start to take the steps that is necessary for us to step into the fullness of God's grace for our lives. Many Christians are living disappointed lives because the grace of God is sufficient, but it comes in seed form. God's grace is sufficient, but it doesn't look like what you were hoping for. But if you continue to trust and take those steps and continue to hold on to the promise, it will start to mature. It will start to grow up. It will start to require more space in your lives. It will start to, to take root. But you need to take the first step and to take that little seed of grace that God has given to us and to start taking steps in putting it in the ground and start to tending to it and starting to give it space in our lives. And that's the stuff we're going to talk about in the next few weeks. But if we don't do that, we will never have true of God's grace in our lives. And many Christians, uh, we, we need Christians. As a pastor, I'm saying this outright. We need Christians that have full-on forests of God's grace, of His goodness. But to have Christians with full-on forests of God's grace, we need Christians who are willing to see the grace that is available in seed form. The grace is in the seed. The grace is in the seed. I'm thinking right now, I'm hoping that God's really stirring things up. He's, he's helping you deal with your disappointments. He's helping you deal with the things that are not po possibly going right the way that you're expecting it to. And he's saying there's grace there. There's grace there. Can we get the band up this morning? I know this is a simple message and perhaps not what you were looking for. Perhaps you were wanting a message about how God's going to bring you breakthrough at 12 o'clock in the Arvo. As you're saying grace for lunch, it's like breakthrough. But that doesn't, that's not the way it works. And over this next month, we, we, we've, we've started a series. I should have started with this, but we're starting a series called Momentum. And the thing about this series is that, yes, it is tied into our momentum offering, and, and we see it as a big thing for our church. We're gaining momentum. We're having this added impetus to be able to go in a certain direction. And, and, and we're really excited for that. We're going to be unpacking it over the next couple of weeks. But, but the thing is that to have any momentum, you need to start moving. 
and many of us are stagnant and we've stopped moving because we are still looking for God's grace on our lives. Have you ever, remember, do you remember when you first started riding a bike? And the problem with learning how to ride a bike is that when you look at it, it looks really good, yeah? But the first couple of steps to get it moving is often the hardest. And that's when you fall down lots because you're like, I don't want to go too fast, but I don't want to go too slow. So I'm just going to stay still and hope that this bike takes me somewhere. And that's not the way bikes work. Bikes require you to put in effort in order to move it. It requires you to have that faith that if I keep pushing, this thing is going to keep moving. And that's where momentum starts in our lives. So many of us are waiting for someone to give us a push or a leg up or a shortcut. When many of us are given the thing that we need, we've got legs and we need to just start walking. We just, not, just need to start pushing. I'm hoping that this makes sense to you. And this morning, I just want to give you space. There's nothing special about me. I just told you that finding this venue was, was difficult. It was easy, but it was difficult in the sense that I could have easily made a hundred different options, well, four. Um, and, 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 and it's not always clear-cut, but I believe that God wants every single one of you to be able to recognize the grace that is already on your life and to be able to ask Him and say, God, what would you like me to do with this grace? What is it that I'm supposed to do? Am I supposed to sow it? Am I supposed to plant it? Am I supposed to tend to it? Am I just supposed to hold on to it for this season? All of us have God's grace and it's sufficient, but we just need to know what to do with it. And so this morning, I want to give you space just to pray a little bit. And one of the things that I, I've, I've learned in my life that when I'm in a situation where I don't really know exactly what's going on, praise helps me to refocus and to find that place where God has given me that grace. But not just some kind of praise that is like, God, if I praise you hard enough, will you give me the breakthrough? But it's a praise that, God, I know that you are good and I'm going to praise you because you are good. When you have that perspective, things begin to change and it begins to help you to focus in on the things that God has got for you. But before we do that, I just want to just come back to a place where if you don't know Jesus, I'm hoping that from this morning, through Emma's testimonies, through the things that I'm saying, that something is just stirring up on the inside of you, where you're like, man, that God guy sounds pretty good right now. Maybe like Emma, you're in a place where um, you, 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 you don't know. There's this, this emptiness inside of your soul and you've been looking around and, and maybe for, this, for the first time or maybe you've had this for a little while now, but God's calling you home and God's saying, I want you to be in a relationship with me. If that's you this morning, we would love to pray with you to accept Jesus into your lives. The Bible teaches us that if we confess with our lips and believe in our heart that He's God, that day you will be saved. That day Jesus enters into your heart. And there's going to be the most amazing decision that you could ever make in your whole lives. And we would love to facilitate that decision for you this morning. So if we can get every person to just close your eyes. I'm going to count as three, and if you would like me to lead you in a prayer to invite Jesus into your life, all you have to do is to put your hand up and then back down again. It doesn't have to be long. It doesn't have to be, uh, uh, yeah, uh, it's just simply for us to know who we're praying for. So I'm going to count as three now. One, two, three. 
Is anyone here that wants to give their life to God? Fantastic. That's so good. Let's say this prayer together. Dear Heavenly Father, I accept you into my life. Be my Lord and my Savior. Amen. Thank you for tuning in today. If you would like to find out more about Lift, check out our website at theliftchurch.com.au.